Say this with me, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Wow. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent him on a rescue mission. And that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? And um, I want to talk to you. As the Father sent Jesus to save us, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. As I was studying and preparing for tonight, that phrase came to me. And um, the Father sent Jesus to save us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Jesus actually foretold this. And I want to, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14. We're studying the nine gifts of the Spirit Paul mentions to the Corinthian church that are still pertinent, still important for us today. And, uh, but I want to read a few verses that just I love so much. John chapter 14, verse 26, and John chapter 15, verse 26. And um, I think it's cool that they coincide because they're interchangeable. And uh, whoever put together the chapters, you know, it's nice that it landed this way. Everybody say, but the helper. You know, we could just stop right there, those three words, but the helper. You look at your situation and you can say, but the helper. You have a marriage problem and you could step back one half a step and say, but the helper. You could face a difficult responsibility and, and you could feel overwhelmed and you could say, but the helper. Everybody say, but the helper. <laughs> but the helper. Oh, I love that. The helper. Your help is on the way. When the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John 15, 26. Um, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you. See, there's an interchangeableness about the Father. From the Father. That's beautiful, isn't it? The harmony of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me and you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. So the helper, everybody say, but the helper. So God the Father, his son Jesus on the Holy Spirit, uh, there's such a dramatic amazing uh, plan that the Father has in this end time hour. But I'm reading from the very inception of the church. When we read the Gospels and we read Acts and we read First and Second Corinthians and so forth like we're going to a little tonight, it's, it's, it's a snapshot at the beginning. And it's, it's the blueprint for all things to come. And since Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, that's overwhelming, overwhelmingly good. And assuring that God has this stabilizing, beautiful uh, plan laid out that we just tap into it and we submit to it and we, 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 we sign up for it and we, we press into it. Um, it being the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and the purposes of God and his plan. 
The helper will help us. He'll bring, he's the spirit of truth, and he'll, he'll testify about Jesus, and then he'll help us to testify about him, and our lives will be a testimony. You know, as we were worshiping, I can't help, but, you know, I look around as I'm looking up, and I see the, the, the body here. I see people, and I, I remember troubles you had or trials you, you came through or victories that you've, you've, you've had, and you know, we, we're to weep with those who weep, and we're, we're to rejoice with those who, rejo- or who rejoice. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. When one part's succeeding and doing well, we're to rally and rejoice, right? Yeah. And uh, so, um, everybody say, but the helper. The Father sent Jesus to save us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, in, in, in verse 5, he says, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, There's a salvation experience, and then subsequent to that, there's another experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, God does not want us to be ignorant concerning spiritual things, the spiritual gifts, and the gift, and the Holy Spirit himself. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it articulates it so sweetly. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, power to live in victory, power to overcome temptation and the tempter, power to forgive, power to forgive yourself, power to press on in God. What, how, how, how did we get to this point? How are we here? How have we endured? Not by our human might, not by our rugged determination, but by this wonderful Holy Spirit, right? Who was there at your bedside when you were suffering throughout post-surgery? Uh, it was the Lord there bringing you through when you had alarming symptoms and the doctor came and pronounced such variables that were so harsh, you know, and you, you just had to just say, oh God, oh God. I remember visiting Pastor John in the hospital and watching him come through, you know, and seeing a victory in his life. And uh, just the, the wonderful things God has done for all of us. He's so good. He's so good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for being so good to us. Thank you, Jesus. We're so thankful to you. Thank you. Thank you for the, the salvation. Thank you for the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. That's my, that's my introduction. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren... I do not want you to be unaware. Now, that's my New American Standard. Um, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, the word gifts is in italics. Just a quick little mini lesson about translations. There are some that are word for word. There are some that are thought for thought. And then there are some that are paraphrases. And um, the... The King James and the New American Standard, the NIV, the New Living Translation, uh, when they're translations, they're trying to be uh, a word for word. This, this one, Charles Stanley really liked it. Um, other preachers have used the New American Standard. I, I love the New American Standard. Uh, the NIV, uh, people love the New International Version. It, it came after I became a Christian. Uh, New Living Translation is helpful uh, to, you know, get in touch with the thought that the, the Lord was 
was presenting through these 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 holy truths coming to the, to us. And um, with this, when there's an italics, it means that word is not there. But they the translators felt from taking this from Greek, this would help us readers of English to understand what was being said. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, it could also be said concerning things to and pertaining to the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we're not to be unaware. Now there are other translations. The King James says we're not to be ignorant. The uh, ESV translation says uninformed. We're not to be uninformed. This is the information age and we're to have Good, to be informed about this Holy Spirit. New Living Translation says, I don't want you to misunderstand this. I don't want you to misunderstand this. The basic English Bible says, it's not right for you to be without teaching. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? We need good teaching that we can understand and be informed and not be ignorant and not be unaware, right? The Weymouth Translation written around 1904, it is important, brethren, that you should have clear knowledge on the subject of spiritual gifts. Let me repeat that. It is important, brethren, brothers and sisters, that you should have clear knowledge, everybody say clear knowledge, on the subject of spiritual gifts. Wycliffe says, but of spiritual things, brethren, I will not that ye not know. A double, there's that double negative that equals a positive. And uh, in parentheses, it says, I will not you to unknow. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Remember, the Father sent Jesus to save us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's, there, there's, there, there's a blessing in empowerment from the very Spirit of God that he would be poured out on all flesh, that our sons and our daughters would prophesy, and our old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions, and, 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 and signs. these signs shall follow those who believe. And, uh, you know, the Lord, it says in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, let's look at that on the screen, Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and the Lord, they went and preached everywhere. They communicated the gospel while the Lord worked with them and confirm the word with signs that followed. Now I'm gonna show you an example of this in the ministry of a deacon named Philip. And so let's go to Acts chapter eight for a moment, and we're gonna look at a moment in the early church beginnings that as people were empowered by the Holy Spirit, what started to take place. And this will inspire you and me and us for our daily life potential. Acts chapter 8, verse 5 through 8, it says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ there. Now, I've had the, my wife and I have had the privilege of being there in Samaria, and it, it, we were driving in a car on the freeway, and, uh, and we went, uh, I remember the moment when it occurred to me how close it was to Jerusalem. By today's standards, with um, rapid transit, with vehicles, you know. Now, in the walking days, it, was, it, 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 took time, it took a long time to get from point A to point B. Have you ever, on your GPS, accidentally pushed the, the pedestrian button? And uh, 
It's like, I wanted to know how long it would take to drive to Omaha, not walk to Omaha. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but with Samaria, I was struck that it's right, it's a next door neighbor to, to Jerusalem. It's very, very close. And Philip is inspired and, and, and the church is been under some pressure and some persecution and they're spreading and going everywhere preaching the gospel. Saul of Tarsus, who was so harsh, um, he was in hearty agreement at, at Stephen's being put to death. He was holding the coats for the people and he was, he, there was a, he was a persecutor. Um, concerning zeal, he persecuted the church and then he went and, read, and wrote 13 uh, New Testament letters, 12 or 13, I think, Maybe 14 if Hebrews would be attributed to him. No one knows. But he definitely wrote uh, Romans and First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. Uh, what else did he write? All those, yeah. So, uh, and, and, and amazing. It, it, it's amazing how God can turn uh, someone's heart around. Turn a sinner into a saint. Turn a persecutor into an, an apostle. And he took Philip and he sent him down to this place and they were in, he was enthusiastically proclaiming the gospel. And crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing. Uh, so there were miracles occurring. Things were happening. And verse 7 says, For in the case of many who had unclean spirits... They were coming out of them shouting with a loud voice and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. Oh man, that had to be a wonderful moment. People were being delivered. Imagine the families of the people that were demon possessed, mentally ill, you know, just really struggling and just the, the, the repercussive problems of that and then boom, they're liberated. See, the person that gets free is so joyous and then the people around him who care for him and love him, they're, they're so happy. Think about it. the whole city was rejoicing. Whole city was rejoicing. And then I want to go uh, now down to verse 12 and I want to show you something about how they received the word and they were receiving it with joy and it says, let's see, in verse 12 through 17, but when, the, when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, men and women alike. So this verse right here shows the unanimous reaction to the gospel. They believed, they heard the gospel, they heard the good news of Jesus, they received him, they were water baptized. Uh, even Simon himself believed, he was uh, involved with sorcery, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip, and as he observed signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. And then it says, uh, who, uh, it says in verse 14, now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Philip I mean, I'm sorry, Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now let's stop here. The city's rejoicing. People are being delivered from demons. That's great. But it goes into another level in verse 12 when it says, when they believe the preaching of the gospel uh, of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, 
They were baptized, men and women alike. So they got born of the Spirit at that point. But apparently in Philip's ministry, he wasn't getting people baptized in the Holy Spirit at this point in this stage in the early church. So they had to call on Peter and John, who came over from Jerusalem. And uh, it says that when they came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. You see, this is a separate experience from the new birth experience. Um, For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now that's pretty clear right there that, that the Father sent Jesus to save us, and then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Now, did they get more saved when John and and Peter laid hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit? No. Now, they were actually born of the Spirit, that God had done this work, but yet there is this, this experience subsequent to or following the experience of the new birth. My testimony is... I got saved November of 1972, and about five minutes later, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, my wife's testimony is different. She was raised in a denominational church that preached the gospel of Jesus. I wasn't raised in a denominational church, and I didn't hear the gospel of Jesus. I heard, you know, information about God, but I didn't know you could be saved. I did have an experience at the Baptist church when I was a kid, and I think that was the seed that got things started. But... Um, I was so young, but she was young and really gave her heart to Jesus. And then in college days, she, right after college, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she explains to me, you know, your test, like her testimony is better than my testimony. She, she's, her experience is better than my experience. Yeah. So, because she's saying, she's saying, you, you, you never knew living the Christian life without the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, there was a five-minute period where I did. <laughs> but hers was like, you know, 18, 19, 20 years. So she, she had a contrast to that. And, and, um, oh, so now you're saying my testimony's pretty good? I don't, know that they, I don't know that Peter and John explained what was about to happen here. You don't see any explaining, really. You just see laying on of hands and, and results. So, um, but I feel like we need to be stabilized and be biblical and look at the witness of Scripture. You know, we see that the Samaritans were born again under the ministry of the deacon uh, Philip, this was even prior to him, you know, getting the calling into being an evangelist. And um, we see here that he preached Christ to them in verse 5. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that when Philip preached the good news of the gospel, salvation came to the Samaritans. And they gave heed, in verse 6, to those things which Philip spoke. So they took heed to the word. They, took, they acted on the word. And um, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, um, it says that we're born again. Uh, look what it says in 1 Peter 1, 23. It says, you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, 
but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. So when they heard the word spoken through Philip, they were born again. And there was a new birth. And then yet, they, the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen on them yet. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is what I, I, I love what, in Luke chapter 24, verse 48, Jesus said, um, look at what, what he says here. He's making this promise. He said, you are witnesses of these things. And then in verse 49, he says, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Now that was the admonition to the early church to go into Jerusalem where they rented an upper room and famously we read in Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2 where there were about 120 men, women, and children including the Mother Mary and they all were gathered together, the early apostles and other followers after Jesus had suffered and died and then he was missing from the tomb and resurrected and they were, and he had ascended and they were all praying and, uh, and the Holy, all suddenly there was a sound like a rushing mighty wind and fire distributed on each of their heads, tongues of fire. And um, the next thing you know, they were going out into, out of that upper room, they walked down the stairs and then they went, how do I know they had stairs? They're, because elevators hadn't been created yet. I'm sure... Uh, they, they walked down the stairs. I don't think there was a fire pole. They walked down the stairs. So anyway, um, they went out and people heard the gospel. And heard, they heard uh, them declaring glorious things about God. When people speak in tongues, they don't speak to men. They speak to God. So they're speaking mysteries. But then they were hearing it in their own language. What were they saying? They were exclaiming how great our God is. And they were giving him praise and attesting to how good he is. Oh, it's wonderful. Uh, This is thoroughly biblical. It's not not mystical. It's not mysticism. It's not mysterious. It's radical. It's spiritual. But it's pretty clear here. And um, like it says here in the Weymouth, it is important, brethren, that you should have clear knowledge on the subject of the spiritual gifts, of the things pertaining to and of the Spirit. So we're not to be unaware, uninformed, ignorant, or misunderstanding but we're to have clear knowledge, right? I think it's good that I'm teaching this because we need to communicate this and share this. The movement that my wife and I uh, experienced change in, uh, they call it the Jesus movement, and a couple of things happened. Uh, lost, disenfranchised kids that were out in the counterculture, drug, sex, and rock and roll thing were having an amazing encounter with Jesus and coming back to the truth of the gospel by, by millions and millions all over the earth. And then also concurrent with that, God was moving on the mainline churches and introducing the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the restoration of these things uh, in the 60s and 70s. And uh, it, it was holy and it was a special time and, and, and I, I thought it was special. My wife thought it was special, but we didn't know at the time what was that we were in a movement, but we were. And then, um, you know, there had been, if you study revival, um, you could see seasons where 
These, these kinds of things would happen again. When uh, Kingston picked out uh, the, the Robin Mark song, he's, a, he's an Irishman, and uh, he, all for Jesus, revive us. I got tears in my eyes because God moved on Ireland in my lifetime. And all the hostility between the Catholics and the Protestants, and there's been some healing there. Praise God for that healing. You ought to be encouraged by that to see moments where, when, in my lifetime, I would visit London, and they would say, um, they would say, beware of IRA bombs on signs, and, and would warn us. You know, it, we, we, it was a, it was a, a, a very volatile uh, era, and uh, we see these things again and again stirring, and yet we look to the scriptures, and we see God stirring toward his people, and he wants us not to be unaware. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. He wants us to be uh, understanding these things so we can be not only inspired, not only refired, but we can also communicate it in, in, in to the world. So see, in Acts chapter 8, verse 14, they, within the, when the, they, they, received, they heard, the apostles heard that the Samaritans had received the word of God. What is that? That's salvation. Because faith comes by hearing the word, and they received the word of God, it said in verse 14. And, and uh, so then we know the Samaritans had received the word of God concerning salvation, but the scripture teaches that they had not yet been filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Bingo, there it is. It shows the distinction between the new birth, and it takes faith to receive Jesus. It takes humbling to receive Jesus. You know, it's, it, it, I've talked to atheists who had to humble themselves and admit they were wrong with all their, their intelligent structure and constructs and all their argument, and then they'd had to humble themselves and say, you know, I, I remember reading about a man named C.E.M. Jode. He had, he had a, I guess, two middle names, first names and a middle name. C.E.M. Jode, Dr. C.E.M. Jode, J-O-A-D, and he wrote a dissertation uh, around the turn of the last century to disprove the myth of Jesus Christ. And he got up to um, make his speech in this formal atmosphere, you know, pre, pretty much pre-radio, pre, definitely pre-television, of course pre-computer, when, when communication was, was in, you know, a public address. And he got up to speak and he, he astounded his literary colleagues by saying, the one I denied all my life, I must now embrace. The one I, I denied all my life, I must now embrace. That, Dr. C.E.M. Jode, way to go. He humbled himself under the mighty hand of God, and we're talking about him today. I don't know how much of his literary work he did, how much scholar, scholarship, how great a teacher he was. I'm sure he, he had to have been. But what we end up, what boils all down now is he humbled himself and repented, and like the Samaritans, he received the word of God. Born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. Samaritans had done that, but they, had, they, they were saved, but they needed help. So Peter and John came over from Jerusalem. They laid their hands on him, and they had an experience uh, uh, from that moment into not only the new birth, but now that empowerment, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And uh, boy, I love that. And you'll be my witnesses. 
you know, our life, we think about witnessing. Have you, you know, have you heard the four, the four spiritual laws, you know? Um, Dr. Bill Bright wrote the four spiritual laws, you know? Bill, uh, Billy Graham uh, had a guy write the, the, the four steps to salvation. Uh, God's plan is peace and life. Man's problem is sin and separation. God's solution is Jesus Christ. Man's responsibility is to repent and believe. And, you know, that's witnessing. We're, but, but what's a witness? Hey, can I tell you what happened in my life? I witnessed on the airplane a while back, and uh, the lady said, my experience is the exact opposite. You know, I said, I, I wasn't in church, then I got saved. She said, I was in church, and I wanted to get away from it. And I thought, and, and, I, and, and what God, it, it, God quickened uh, a, word, a word of knowledge to me. And I said, somebody's been praying for you. And that, that sounds pretty general, but I had it. I knew I, that I had an appoint, divine appointment in this moment in this airplane when we were getting ready to deplane. You know, seats in our upright position, tray tables put back, uh, your stuff stowed all the way under the seat or in the overhead. And uh, in this encounter, and she said, my grandma's been praying for me. And, then, and I said, say hello to your grandma's prayers, you know. And I got to share with her. But my witness wasn't like, have you heard about God? You need to repent. You know, it was, it was like, man, Jesus changed my life. I mean, that people were turning around listening to that. There's a power in your testimony, Christy. What you've been through, I've known you since you're a little girl. And this recent thing you've been through, you've been through a bunch of stuff. And here you are, you're, you're pressing on. You have such testimonies. Your testimony is encouraging to me. So when we say testify, Beth, I mean, I, I've known you for years, decades now. Just, you know, we see, we see Beth up here playing viola and, you know, and, and she's just got an amazing developed history in her life and a story in her life. The kids love the Lord and her husband loves the Lord. It's just, you know, to, to, get, a, to get information from the Bowers and to see a picture of Davy standing up on his feet. It just is an indication of how good God is. And I rejoice with them. I rejoice with Davy. God's given him another opportunity in life. It's beautiful. But, you know, a lot of us in here have had a second chance. A lot of us in here hit the skids and fell. And aren't you glad the Bible says the righteous fall seven times and the Lord picks them right back up? Bounce back ability in the church. That would be the resurrection power of a Savior who is present who is available to help, right? Oh, listen, I, I wanna, that's my introduction now, so I'm gonna give you, I wanna give you the nine, the nine gifts of the Spirit if you're a note taker. Now let's go now to 1 Corinthians. I just established there's God the Father, His Son Jesus, the Holy Spirit. I just tried to underscore my point that the Father sent Jesus to save us. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us. Now, Philip was preaching in Acts chapter 8 in Samaria. The, the whole city was glad. They heard the gospel. People were delivered. Miracles occurred. But then they called upon Peter and John, and they came, and they laid hands on them, and they had an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, separate and subsequent to their uh, new birth experience. I got born again, and I got spirit-filled under spirit-filled Christians November of 1978. My wife got saved when she was a little girl. Then she went to college and came through that, and she had an encounter with the Lord. God moved on her. God encouraged her through her mom, hey, go to this place, you know, and she got around believers that were filled with the Holy Spirit. When she heard about that, she had a 
She had a sense that there's got to be more, and there actually is more. There is more. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, I might be preaching to those who understand this, embrace this, and have been walking in this for a while, but I want you to not be unaware, ignorant, uninformed. I want you to have a clear knowledge about this because I want you to be able to lovingly, uh, in a credible, non-threatening way, communicate this with others and share this uh, so that people can be filled with that empowerment uh, and, and move up into a new level in their, in their uh, impact in the world. Wow. So 1 Corinthians chapter 14 now, um, I, I want to read uh, something to you. Uh, the, the first verse here, it says, Pursue love, uh, but desire earnestly spiritual gifts. So God wants us to walk the love walk, but in tandem with that, he wants us to de desire spiritual gifts. He wants us to have a passion for being merciful and kind and overcoming and being gracious and not being bitter and not being critical and not being envious and jealous and all that stuff, being patient. He wants us to develop that. But he also wants us to develop an appreciation for and a desire for the operation of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lifetime and through our, through our lives. Now listen to what it says here. Go to, back to 1 Corinthians 12. Concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be unaware. And then it says in verse 7, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, Jesus had the Spirit without measure. But the body of Christ, these gifts differ. They're varieties of gifts. It says in verse 4, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. So Philip was proficient in winning those souls. He needed help from Peter and, and John for the laying on of hands for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I believe now we can get people saved, we can get people healed, we can get people filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Everybody say saved, saved. Healed, healed, filled with the Holy Spirit. Didn't you hear that growing up, Virgil? Saved, healed, and filled with the precious gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a phrase? And, and that is, boy, think about it. Think about it. That salvation, being, being healed, being delivered. What a position to be in. We're saved by the grace of God. We're healed by the stripes of Jesus. And we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right? And then it lists nine gifts. It lists nine, it lists nine gifts. And I'm going to write them. I'm going I'm to say them to you in an amalgamation of King James and New American Standard. Number one is the word of wisdom. Now, the word of wisdom, Pastor John, what's the definition for the word of wisdom? Hold on, I'm going to get your microphone. It's the mind and purposes of God. It's supernatural. It's a gift. And um, pertaining to what? It's the mind and purposes of God to show forth things that are to come, and it always uses uh, future tense verbs to it. Okay, so now what contrast that with the word of knowledge? Word of knowledge is the mind of God of present and past, which always uses present tense and past tense verbs. So, for, for example, when Jesus came on the scene, 
he saw and he had a word of knowledge about a guy named Nathaniel under a tree. So he gets there, and Nathaniel is there under a tree. And he says, he said, uh, he, so he had a word of knowledge that he was there. And then he, he said, uh, and then Nathaniel heard about Jesus and said, uh, can anything good come from Nazareth? Basically, he's saying, you know, they thought the Messiah had to come from Bethlehem. Well, of course, you know, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? But he was raised in Nazareth. And Nazareth is up north by Galilee. But so Nathaniel wasn't informed as yet on that. So he wasn't dissing him. Like, can anything good come from, come from Nazareth? But then um, Jesus said, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. And he was like, and he said, you believe me? Because I had this, this one gift operating. You know, there's a whole lot more that's going to come to you, Nathaniel. And uh, I, the gifts put people in touch with the supernatural God. Signs and wonders confirm and attest to the word of God. So signs and wonders ministry is not uh, what we necessarily think it is. It's, it's, uh, it's for the purposes of reinforcing uh, and, 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 and invalidating in, in, in human terms this supernatural truth of who God is. Yeah. Woo! The city was glad, you know. People got saved. People were delivered. People were changed. Hey, remember so-and-so, how down they were, how victimized they were, what, what particular set of troubles they had? Look at them now. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday, and he, uh, he witnessed to an instructor in a class he was in. And the, it, it started out, it was real harsh and foul and mean, and, and uh, he, he ministered to him. And one thing led to another, and he just stopped off at a church and went into the church after he heard this guy share with him. He went in there, and they just happened to be having a water baptismal service. He went forward, and he gave his life to Jesus, got water baptized, came back to class. This guy said he was no longer foul. He looked like a totally different person. And we saw that a lot during the Jesus movement, but I've actually seen it a lot since the Jesus movement because God showed me, look, man, it, whether there's a, a revival or not, the word is true. Whether there's a stirring or not, the Holy Spirit is present. Whether, uh, uh, you know, there's this big surge or not, the gospel gets people saved. The power of the Holy Spirit is available for today, right? And I'm telling you, I've had high times through high, all the seasons. And I'm not addicted to one particular thing. I'm not resistant when there's a spike and a quantum leap of active, spiritual activity called revival. I love it and I welcome it. And I'm also uh, uh, not obsessed with that. I'm, I'm just, because uh, I learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, abasing and abounding, getting along in humble means and getting along in abundance. Say this with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. So a word of wisdom is, uh, this is what we should do. This is, it's like Joseph. He had, a, he had a prophetic, it was prophecy, it was, it was interpretation of a dream, but it, was, it would be also classified as a word of wisdom. And he's stewing in prison, and he gets called upon, and he has an understanding that there's go, they're going to be lean years, and they've got to store grain, and there are things they have to do. 
and those words of wisdom will come. Yeah. It happened for me. It's happened to me many times. The, the occasion, i just tell you very quickly, uh, I was getting a word of wisdom about the flood of 93 for our church. Um, not just for St. Charles and St. Genevieve and other places in low-lying areas, but our place and our calling and our positioning as a local body, as a local church, and, and as a leader, what we were to do. And God was giving me a prophetic heads up in the form of a word of wisdom and, uh, and, and to the point where I said, um, we're not going to go sandbagging, but we're going to do cleanup. Little knowing that we would do it for two years every week for two years. I didn't know that part. God just slips that kind of stuff up on you as is needed. One time he told me to fast, and it was like, it was like 10 days, 10 one-day fasts for 10 days. You know, it's like, when can I finish, you know? And it was like, because he knew I'd be a big baby and I'd, I'd go eat something, you know? So he, he, he was like, just, you know, he's just helping me out, you know? He, he's so good to us. Word of knowledge. You pick things up in your spirit, and... Uh, it's not psychic phenomena, it's not ESP, it's not extrasensory perception, it's not, it, it's, it's, and it's not a familiar spirit. It's something from the Holy Spirit that's designed to point them to Jesus and give them, how did you know that? How did you know that? You know, and, and it's, well, Jesus, you know, and then it, it affirms that Jesus is thinking about them and caring for them, right? The gift of faith, oh, I love the gift of faith. Gifts of healing, working of miracles. Actually, these three gifts have operated in the Bowers over the last uh, several 170 days. How many days has it been? 170 days. God is good. You know, gift of faith. I watched it on the parents. Gift of faith. And they have Bible faith. It's really... They've been serving God for a long time. They were both, you know, they, they grew up as, as Catholic kids, so they learned to reverence God in that context. And then they got saved in their adult life and got born again and had this experience with God, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and uh, they, they've matured and grown, and they have Bible faith. But the gift of faith is a power enhancement. I was talking to one of these... Um, what do you call those guys on the road, the, 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 the assist, the, the uh, what are the, what's the name of the guys in the trucks that come by on the roadside assist? Is that what they're called? What are they called? Yeah, well, whatever they're called. A guy had just been in an accident. My motor burned up. On, uh, the, the oil uh, plug popped out on my motor, and, it, it, and I pulled over, and he had just been at this other wreck, so he pulled up and said, hey, can I help you? And so um, we started talking about turbos. And in a car, you can have a car with a turbo. And so you're driving along, and then you step on it, and it goes, oh, or, or uh, we didn't talk about, uh, what, what's the other one? Nitrous oxide. Now I'm doing all. I'm way out. I'm way out. I don't have. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But for the purposes of this message, I'm going to go all automotive. All right. And and you've seen it on Fast and Furious number 25, where they step on it and it's a, you know, and it's this extra deal. Well, the Bowers have a real good motor. They're pressing on with God, and then God gave them turbo. God gave you turbo. 
God gave you turbo. God gave you guys turbo. He's given you, he's given you that surge, that power surge. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Philip is preaching the gospel. Then Peter and John come, and they, the Holy Spirit falls on the Samaritans. You can see it in Acts chapter 10, too. It happened in a number of occasions with the Ephesians, with the church at Ephesus. But the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, and the working of miracles. I'm going to just touch on highlight it. Um, gifts of healing. I remember Marilyn Hickey from Denver, Colorado, Happy Church, she and Wally Hickey, real pioneer leaders in the spirit-filled movement. She's still alive. She's in her 90s, I think. They, they t- she talked about how she noticed through her life and ministry she had a lot of success with cysts and tumors coming against those kinds of things and that she saw many, many healings in that specific area. Other areas too, but a lot in that area. So I've noticed this in my life, praying for people that are infertile. And I've watched God do such miracles with people that couldn't have babies. And that's just a thing. You know, um, Jesus moved and he, he, so many people got healed of blind eyes in Jesus' ministry. Think about it. This is something we're actually to desire. Pursue love, but desire earnestly spiritual gifts. So when we go visit at the hospital, St. Louis University Hospital, I just, God, I would love a word of knowledge right now or a word of wisdom. I would love the gift of faith. And in the fact, the Bible says he gives to all individually just as he wills. Now, these things... We don't make them operate. We don't manufacture them. But, but we want to understand them. And like it said, like I told you and started this message, uh, he says, I will not that you not know. I will not that you not know. The Wycliffe translation. I will not that you not know. I will not you to unknow. That's so good. That's so trippy. It works for me. Uh, It is important, Weymouth, it is important, brethren, that you should have clear knowledge on the subject of spiritual gifts. Everybody say, gift of faith. There was a minister that visited here in the early 2000s, and he turned to me and he said, you have a gift of faith for this church. I said, excuse me? Because I only saw the gift of faith in, in a sense, a certain sense of like healings. I thought it must just mean because I had seen that operate in my life with people that were uh, getting a death sentence, terminally ill, and that, that only had days to live. And I remember something would come, it came on me that was like, like that turbo or that night, you know, that stepping on the gas, and where you just know that you know that you know that you know. And it just gets on you. It's like, it's a spiritual confidence that's much greater than your basic Christian faith muscle, right? It's your motor superpowered. And boy, isn't that, isn't that just something, isn't it great that that would even be available? We should covet that. We should believe God for that. Gifts of healing that we see more and more and more and more bodies healed, right? You hear people that are battling sickness, you pray for them and believe God for them, and they get to live 25, 30, 40 more years. Remember Hezekiah, he prayed, and God extended his years 15 years. 
And we've all lost battles and we've all lost loved ones. Everybody dies, right? But we might as well just fight the fight of faith and stand up. Look, I've seen people die, so I'm not gonna adjust my, my theology now and just succumb to whatever. I'm gonna stand, take my position on the scriptures, right? I'm not gonna let my beliefs stoop down to my experience. I want my experience to rise up to what the scriptures say, right? And I'm not, I'm not you know, ignoring the, the, the wins and the losses. I'm just going right back to the word of God and realizing that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he watches over his word to perform it, and that he gives a gift of word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gift of faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Now see there, I almost preached all nine of them. We have so much more to learn. Let's all stand up on our feet. I want you to say to somebody, pursue love. And then say to yourself, but I desire earnestly spiritual gifts. I covet them, I desire them. Lord, we're trusting you. Now, Lord, I pray for a magnificent revelation. Let's lift up our hands just for a minute. And I wanna sing that Robin uh, Mark song again, all for Jesus. And I just trust God that, we, that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would affix upon this place. Everybody in this church that wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, will get that experience. And they'll have that mighty, they'll have attesting signs and corresponding reinforcement to that. Oh, hallelujah. Let's sing this song. Let's sing it. <laughs>